Welcome. I am Anna Ginger, your host of The Anna Ginger Show. I'm an international adoptee who has experienced the pain of rejection and the peace that comes with self-discovery and acceptance. Along the way, I have discovered that I am not alone. In some ways, we are all adopted into or out of homes, cultures, communities, and relationships as we grow and evolve. These experiences create who we are and who we are yet to be. So let's discover how we can be and become our best selves by connecting to the guest and creative content cradled in the belief that we belong, that we are worthy, and that we are loved in this world. So stay tuned and you may discover your own adoption story. Now, as I started uh, the show again and relaunched the show, I put out a call asking for stories about adoption stories. And I got this great message from the next guest who wrote, I don't know whether this fits, but my mom was a war baby and didn't find out until she was in her early 50s. This, and then she talks about the book that was um, part of the story based on exploring this realization and looking at meaning in terms of this aspect of identity in our First Nation heritage. And I was so excited about that. I said, yes, yes, yes. And so as I read this email exchange to you, it's not as great as when you're going to be able to hear the lovely guests and their accent, which I fall in love with over and over again. So I don't want you to hear it from me. I want you to hear it from our fabulous guests. I want you to welcome Madeline White and Joe Retton. So welcome to the show. Hi there. Thank you so much for your kind welcome, Anna, and it's so lovely to be connected over the airwaves. Really, it's quite exciting for me. It's a novel experience. <laughs> oh, I love it. So Madeline, you and I are connected because of a creative, um, talented writer named Claire Steele. And so we have had some conversations, but then um, and we had shows about poetry and prose. And so uh, Claire would come on to the show and read poetry. And so we've got the best of the all possible worlds here as as we are going to talk about your story and your mom's story and then connect that to poetry as well. But Madeline, would you mind introducing yourself and your mom? No, absolutely. And thanks again, Anna, for having us on the show. So um, my name is Madeline White. Um, I'm in my early 50s and um, it's taken me a long while to define myself as a storyteller and the reason I define myself as a storyteller after years in marketing and publishing is because I believe that stories connect us. They help us define who we are, from the African Grigio to, you know, your First Nation storytellers through to the modern storytelling that we see in all kinds of um, spheres, including the digital sphere today. And so basically I have um, set out to tell my own story and hopefully through my journey, which encompasses, um, you know, which encompasses of work within marketing and publishing and then writing my own novel, I very much hope to inspire other people to have the courage to share theirs. And um, we obviously met um, through Claire Steele, who also tells the most fabulous stories through poetry. And I connected to Claire through um, a literary magazine I edit that actually was founded in the UK, but actually has now, we have um, hundreds of thousands of um, readers and listeners um, across the world. And I believe that it's critical to connect um, people's stories from no matter where you are, whether you're first, second generation diaspora, whether you're homeborn, we're all connected by our humanity. And I think our humanity is very often expressed in shared stories. 
and my debut novel, which was Mother of Floods, came out in 2020. And that was inspired around about the same time um, I started writing and calling myself a storyteller was when I started delving into my own heritage. And part of that heritage is German. But the other part that I discovered, um, thanks to mum, who is here with me, um, Jay Renton, is um, basically it's quite an exciting one. And it's a First Nation heritage that um, I was incredibly um, pleased and excited to realize that I had part of that. And so, you know, from one storyteller and poet to another, I get um, some of my ideas and my talent from my mum. And I think also some of that desire to reach into international stories and understand who we are and where we come from. So over to my mum, Jay Renton. Uh, yes. Uh, um well, would you like me to read the poem first of all, or no? Or would you like me to just tell a little bit of how I how I met my brother and how I met my my Canadian family? Well, well why don't you yes. just do a little bit of an introduction first, yes. and then you can talk a little bit about that. All right. Well, you know, as my my daughter says, I'm her mother. I had four children, and Madeleine is the is the oldest, and um, I was. Uh, and I was married to a German then, so my children have got quite a quite a mixed heritage, really. But I grew up without a father. You know, I was I I was born just after the war. My mom, my, my father was a Canadian serviceman come uh, come over, and my mother didn't want to go back with him. She said it's too cold. She said it would kill me, and so she stayed in London. And at one point, my father did come and see me as a baby. I looked. Uh, I I did look a little bit. Um, shall Shall we say not particularly British when I was a young baby because I had ever such a lot of black hair and black eyes and. England has changed so much, and we've become we we our horizons have got so much broader and more tolerant, and you know. But at that time, uh, no, it, it was other races were were quite new to us, yeah. And uh, and so maybe it was quite a good time, a good thing. But I did. I remember asking my mother when I was about ten. I said, "What did my father look like?" And she said, "Just look in the mirror." Mm. And we sent that photo uh, later on when my mother died. I only found out from my aunt my heritage, and then I started looking, and uh, and a picture of mine. Uh, I'm not quite sure. How, well, uh, I'm not quite sure about the convolutions of the whole journey, but it arrived in a Canadian newspaper with my story, the the nugget. Uh, the Northern Nugget, something Nugget, I've forgotten exactly the, the name. But anyway, a cousin of mine saw that picture and she said to my half-brother, she said, look at this, look at this story. And you know, so it was all about me looking, you know, looking for my father and that was my picture. And my half-brother took one look at it and said, that's my sister. Wow. And I'll never forget meeting him at Toronto Airport. He was wearing a lumberjack uh, sort of tartan coat, and he had the biggest smile, the biggest, warmest smile that you can imagine. And he gave me such a hug. It was wonderful. It really was. That was one of the high points of my life. 
Wow. Unfortunately, a couple of years later, he died of kidney cancer. But I'm so pleased that I did get to know him. I really am. My father was dead, of course. He died in, uh, I think, 1979, uh, 75. So I hadn't just missed him by a couple of frustrating years. Mm-hmm. And uh, my, and it's strange to think of my Ojibwe grandmother. I've got one little picture of her in a group. She died the year that I was born, 1945. And it's strange to think that she was as closely related to me as my beloved English grandmother who who brought me up virtually. My mother had to go to work and my grandmother was, you know, was the one that brought me up and I was very close to her. It's funny to think that, you know, I owe an equal amount of blood to both of them. And so, but it was absolutely lovely to find my Canadian family again mm. and to meet an old aunt of mine, Auntie Annie, who just a few months before she died, she looked a bit of a rogue, but she was fine and she was so pleased to meet me. And I could see the family likeness. I thought, my goodness, in 20, 30 years, I'm going to look like that. <laughs> and it was, uh, it was. I feel feel complete somehow having met members of my family, my Canadian family, that other mystery side of me is is now, you know, it's um, salt enough. It's full enough to uh, for me, you know. It's, uh, I mean, my life is here in England, but you know. Anyway, I think that's most of my story. Yes, I was going to say it's. Yes. Um, uh, thank you, Mum, and I, I think. Um, you know, and, and, and maybe we can come on a little bit later, but as Mum mentioned, I am the oldest of four, and I think for all of us, and I think this will really resonate, hopefully, with some of your listeners, it's not just about that first generation, it's actually about that second generation, and I think yes. for all of us, especially with that understanding that it was that special heritage, mm-hmm. the First Nation heritage, you know, you 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 look for that. And for me, part of my response to that was actually writing Mother of Floods. So hopefully that will give you enough of an introduction. We can maybe yes. come back to that in a, in a little while. Well, you know, for starters, I think both Madeleine and I are quite creative. And I'm sure we get that from the Canadian side. <laughs> well, Madeleine, as I think about when I put the call out for this, um, for stories about adoption. So you can certainly see as you're listening to your mom's story about that connection to um, adoption, right? Absolutely. I think, you know, in the end, I I was actually asking um, mom about this um, when, when when we were talking about this interview. And I was just out of interest. I said, so mom, did you, you know, did you feel that loss? Did you feel that lack? And, um, you know, that, that kind of sense of who am I, where do I belong? Mm. And mum actually said that is definitely there, but in a funny kind of way, I think that's probably why I was outward looking, why I was looking for, you know, I mean, my, my father was German, you know, mum's travelled extensively. And, you know, it's that kind of sense of, you know, not necessarily that hard lack. Some people might have that more specifically, especially if, you know, they, they are fully adopted, so they don't know either birth parent. But um, I certainly think, you know, it definitely changes your search, what you're looking for, mm. and your quest for identity. And I think that must be at the heart of every adoptee's sense. I mean, what did you find, Anna? Because obviously you you started this, you started this kind of show for a reason. Was that was that outward looking um, in order to look inwards? Was that part of it? 
Yeah, absolutely. When I say I just turned 50 last year, and so it's just now that I'm really trying to understand my own adoption story. There are parts that I feel like I reject because I'm not sure that I'm ready for it. But I could connect with um, with Joe when you were talking about not looking like anybody else. You know, when and I lived in England for a while, I certainly didn't look like um, anyone in England either. And so people would ask me, not in England because people are too polite for that, but in the United States, people <laughs> ask me all the time, what are you? And at the time, my partner said, well, people are asking that inside. They're just not asking it publicly because it's rude. And uh, in America, we can be rude, quite rude and ask that question. But I think it's that part of like not feeling like you quite fit in and not knowing the mystery of who you are and that remains kind of mm-hmm. unknown. And so yeah. you're searching for truth and where's my place in this world? I loved the one of the snips that you sent of um, the stories that you said was, I wrote, uh, Dear Olga and Lloyd, I realize now more than ever how important it is to know one's roots. And my heart goes out to the thousands of war children who do not know their Canadian fathers and families. And Joe, you were lucky enough to be able to find at the airport somebody who is part of your your bloodline and to feel that connection. Okay. Oh. Uh, well, I mean, how we first con- uh, contacted, he, uh, Roger phoned me. I was, I'd been to, I'd been at work, and uh, my husband had the sort of job that he did a week on, week off. So he was a tobe. And he said, Anna came home, and he said, "Your brother's phoned." I said, "What?" I said, "Have I got a brother?" And yes, he said his name is Roger, and he's phoned, and he's going to phone again this evening. And it was so strange to hear this broad Canadian accent, you know. And and from then on, we, we just we just arranged to meet. And I said, "Yeah, I'm going." He said, "Come over, sister." I said, "Yes, I'm coming. I'll come over." And so you know, and it was wonderful. It really was. Well, I think what's uh, interesting is that as I hear other adoptee stories, the connection of being able to see your face and other people's faces is very impactful and powerful. To be able to know it's is. It is something about being connected and knowing that, um, and in many ways, I think it's that we're not alone and that we have connections to others in a very, very, very powerful way. Yes. Like, for example, when I met my second brother, David, we met at Ottawa Coach Park because I went by Greyhound Bus from Toronto to Ottawa. And he didn't have to introduce himself. I just looked at our eyebrows. They were identical. Yeah. We both had the same. I mean, I've got uh, thick, not bushy eyebrows. They, they lie very flat, but they're quite wide. And that's unusual. And David had exactly the same. Yeah. And yeah, that's so special. And the other thing I'm hearing, um, which I hear a lot of uh, from adoptee stories, is that need to and that wanting to understand the medical history when it comes to your family. Um, so like you were saying, just that that might run into the family. What things can I anticipate and what things can I prevent if I yes. know my family medical history? Yes. I mean, uh, now we don't fear the, the C word so much, but we fear mm. the D word, dementia. Oh, uh-huh. And I was so relieved to find that there wasn't a trace of it on the outside. Yeah, it's important. I will also, um, I will share something quite personal with you. Um, I um, we discovered that um, addiction runs through um, that side of the family, and sadly, it's hit um, 
outside of the family as well and and you know i i am i am someone who who, sh- who deals with things on a daily basis but i'm pleased to say that i i do say well but um it is i thought that was a hugely interesting um a hugely interesting side that ran through and i think that actually connects more deeply as well into you know the the that that kind of sense of cultural and spiritual heritage mm-hmm. because you know i i think what when I wrote Mother of Floods and I was truly trying to find out, I was truly trying to connect with my roots. I was doing lots and lots of research. I found the family, you know, I connected with our family in Bear Island mm. and, you know, we were in, I, and I got lots of information sent through. But when I wrote the novel, the publisher was very, very keen to make absolutely certain that it was marketed as a kind of more of a sci-fi fantasy rather than a kind of um, spiritual speculative because the um, cultural appropriation label, he was so worried about that. And I actually feel really passionately that, you know, you you should be able to dig in even, yeah, I'm a white British woman living in the UK with a posh accent, but actually those, that my grandfather was First Canadian, First Nation Canadian Indian. And actually I, I do and should have a right to talk about that and to claim that yes. part of my heritage. And so it's actually, especially as we're coming into a much wider um, situation of diaspora and second and third oh. generation, mm-hmm. I think we're, you know, this will be something we hear more of, but certainly that was a massive reason for me writing Mother of Floods and actually one of the strands of Martha's discovery journey running through that was linked to um, First Nation heritage. So I'm going to ask it's you for... It's wonderful. Oh, I've read it. Oh, it's wonderful. Uh, yes. Yeah, so your mom has approved the book. And so um, that's great. I wanted to ask you for our <laughs> listeners who don't understand or don't know what First Nation heritage, can you define that for us? Well, basically, First Nation is um, the um, original, the, abora- the, the Aboriginal, um, the Aboriginal Canadians or Americans or even Aboriginal Australians. So it's the First Nation are people who were there initially um, before, you know, any other, any other um, human beings, uh, white settlers or whatever, yes. um, made their way across um, via yeah Vikings or Columbus, and so First Nations um, and and so. In Canada, um, our tribe is the Ojibwe tribe. Uh, you know, I mean, there's many, many different tribes, um, but our tribe is the Ojibwe tribe, um, who are in parts of North America, the north of um, the USA and um, Canada, Canada, where our family comes from. It's um, the, the it's part francophone as well. Um, so it's on the you're, you're kind of looking at kind of Quebec, Montreal, yes. and part of our family is actually speak French as well. Yes. But where I'm in contact with and where Mum's dad was from was Bear Island, the yes. reservation Bear Island. But he could speak three languages as his aunts could: yeah. uh, French because they were fairly on the border, and uh, English and fluent Ojibwe. Yeah. And so Mother of Floods, you wrote that. And in your foreword, you wrote, Mother of Floods challenges us to open our minds and imagine something new, a place where the world unseen collides with what we perceive. I love that so much. Um, and also you included a poem, uh, Madeline. Would you mind sharing that? And I'll talk a little bit about what I just read for our listeners. Thank you. Um, well, I, I believe actually through poetry, um, we connect to our deepest selves and the world unseen. Mm-hmm. And to me, 
this actually encapsulates in a few lines what I was trying to do with Mother of Floods. So this is it. My ancestor's wisdom drums through bones that hold me upright as I run towards the future while cupping the delicate flame of now in my hands. And for me, that poem links so many things. The drums are a really central part of the beat of Mother of Floods because actually the binary coding of drumming um, is the same as the binary coding of our digital language. And I believe that apex, that connection around the world unseen leads us into some really interesting places. And in terms of ancestry, I don't believe without the ancestry that I claim, even though some may call it cultural appropriation, but I claim that part of my identity. And I don't believe without that, I would have the desire to fill that hole in my soul with poetry and music and drumming and ideas that I may not otherwise have had the courage to find. So Mother of Floods has been described as a spiritual adventure. And um, I'm really pleased one of my, one of my reviewers actually called it a spiritual masterpiece, which was wonderful. But it's fundamentally about how we all as human beings can connect by looking at the world in a different way. And I truly believe we can be the change makers. Mm -hmm. We can create the world we want to see as long as we have the courage to reach to those drums of our own heartbeat. Mm. So you just heard um, the poem that read by your daughter, Joe, and you also have a poem that you wrote. Would you mind sharing your poem and then we'll have a little chat about it? It isn't a desperately deep one, but I wrote it on the shores of Lake Tomogamy. I was so full of... All right. Um, my, father, my father's Ojibwe name was Mangwash. And that's what I called my poem, Mangwash. The silken cord of memory reveals an ancient picture, a vivid, vibrant image as yet unspoilt by time. Secrets that are passed down in the hidden depths of memory. No, our ancestry can never be denied. The pictures framed by pine trees, by geese in V formation, a strange and savage beauty as yet unspoiled by man. Wide white skies and silken lakes stretching even further. Yes, all of this is our ancestral land. The sunlit ripples of the lake herald an intruder as silently and swiftly glides past a birch canoe. At one end sits a figure paddling oh so lightly, his youthful carefree movements far too few. Mungwash, son of lakes and forest, son of nature's silver skies, son of summer's lakeside lover, firstborn of his youthful mother, a child of the Ojibwe tribe. By the reeds he ceased to paddle, where soft breezes swayed the trees, his line now, now carefully baited, while the forest watched and waited for the advantage to be seized. Dinner had been good that evening, the fish enough for all. Through the distant mist of years, through so many hopes and fears, that night he still recalled. The lake had never left his soul, it had always called him back, with him on the D-Day beach, always there, just out of reach. In dreams he trod the well-known tracks. The brown hand on the ferry wheel quickly wiped away a tear. Mungwash had been welcomed home. 
He'd come back, he'd always known, to where his heart beat loud and clear. Now I see before me, as I stand upon that lakeside, the ugly scars and structures of uncaring modern times. Vandalising, brutalising, out of touch with nature, killing so much natural beauty, soaring down the pine. I, Monkwash's daughter, seeing for the first time the shadow of my father's soul on Lake Tomogamy, coming all the way from London, the city I grew up in, how much of this lies in my soul too and is a part of me? And I wrote that in December 99. That's beautiful, Mum. It was absolutely beautiful. And as we come to a close, you can definitely tell the connection between mother and daughter in this interview. And so I just so appreciate <laughs> both of you being here. It's such beautiful spirits. So I'm going to ask you as we come to a close, what you both think that listeners should do to create a world where everyone can feel that they belong, that they matter, and that they are loved. And we'll start with uh, you, Madeline, and, and end with Joe. So I think from my perspective, I started by saying I'm a storyteller. And the reason I'm a storyteller is because I believe all our voices need to be heard. And I create platforms and magazines and also through my through my work to make it possible to have those voices heard. So I'd suggest a couple of things. I would love to get stories through um, about, you know, um, finding your place, understanding who you are in poetry and in prose. I'm the editor of Write On magazine and you can submit to me via pentprint.org. And of course, you know, Mother of Floods is available, probably not in bookshops now because it launched a couple of years ago, but certainly online. And so I think by connecting with each other's stories, we will get a far better idea of who we are and where we belong because we belong together. And the core of it all is love and connection. And I truly believe that. Mum, over to you. I don't know. in In the depths of me, I've got this huge bell clanging, a bell of doom, I really have. There's so many things, that, so many arrows pointing to, I, I don't know what. And I don't want to think about it. But on the surface, I try to love, I try to show my love. I love my four children with all my heart. And I try, I try to gift of charities. I do a lot for the local society, uh, societies and, and I, I'm standing for local councillor again. And I try to do my best for the community and I suppose that sort of pragmatic sort of love. And I don't think there's any more I can say really. Well, that's, I think that says a lot and I think that your father and your mother um, are very proud of him, looking down and very, very proud of you. And I, a heartfelt thanks to Madeline White and Joe Renton for sharing your quest for connection through the book Mother of Floods and all the efforts that you do to bring love and connection to this world. A thank you to Adam Rich with WOUB for engineering and editing today's program. And our subject matter expert is Dr. Melissa Rizzo. Our storytelling producer and engineer is Zoe Lambert. And our creative and editing team includes Maddie, Maya, Alexa, Linnea, and Mark. Our music producer is Nick Krasunas, who's been writing genre-twisting songs for over 30 years, including this show's theme song, Way to Me. And I am your host, Anna Ginger, signing off with a reminder 
that the key to unlocking all things good in this world is love. Here, you are loved and you are home. Always a friend and fan, this is Anna Ginger, wishing you days filled with love, laughter, and peace. Thank you.